More bad defense and a pesky seventh inning for Spencer Strider leads to another loss for the Atlanta Braves on a Wednesday night. Plus, we'll talk about some of the trade deadline news on today's episode of Locked On Braves. So let's get into it. You are Locked On Braves, your daily Atlanta Braves podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hey, and welcome back to Lockdown Braves, part of Lockdown Sports Atlanta, where we cover your favorite Atlanta sports teams each and every day. I am your host, Jake Mastriani. You can follow me on Twitter at shortstopball. Also, make sure you check out my written work over at bravestoday.com, writing a lot of trade content over there on the website, so make sure that you go give that a read. Make sure you follow the podcast on Twitter at Lockdown underscore Braves. Send in any questions, comments, or feedback that you have for the podcast. Got our mailbag episode coming up on Friday, so be on the lookout from that for that tweet from that main Twitter account, and I will answer the questions to that tweet on Friday's episode. Make sure if you're new on YouTube, hit that subscribe button. You're watching there. Hit the thumbs up button as well to help support the show. Thank you so much for all the support that you give me here at Locked On Braves. want to give a shout-out to some of my everydayers from last episode that let me know that they are an everydayer. Paul Tompkins, Chris Conley, Witdog67, and Terry from Savannah. Thank you so much for letting me know that you are an everydayer if you Watch this podcast every day. You let me know down in the comment section below on YouTube as well. But I do appreciate all the support. On today's podcast, we unfortunately have another very ugly loss for the Atlanta Braves to talk about. Had a lead late, blew it. We'll get into all of that. The defense, Spencer Strider's seventh inning struggles, the bullpen. Uh, Who do you trust right now coming out of that bullpen? We'll discuss all of that, and then I'll do our through the league Thursday segment. We'll talk about the Braves in the NL East where they still have a very comfortable lead. And then I want to focus on the defensive stats right now. There's a new defensive metric right now, a baseball savant that's supposed to be more all-inclusive. So we'll discuss that. We'll see where the Braves rank because defense, as I mentioned on yesterday's podcast, maybe my biggest concern for this team heading down the stretch and into the postseason. Not something I thought I would say at the beginning of the year, but certainly it has been a huge problem for the Braves out of the break. So we'll discuss all that and get to some trade deadline news as well. Well, let's start with Tuesday or Thursday or Wednesday's loss. I don't know what day of the week it is right now. Uh, Still not getting much sleep from the newborn, but everybody's healthy and safe. So we're all very blessed in that regard. But Wednesday's game, a five to three loss to the Boston Red Sox had a three nothing lead going into the bottom of the sixth inning with Spencer Strider on the mound. Your bullpen arms, you know, there are some key guys missing there, but the bullpen arms that you do have that you rely on are ready to go. And you blow the lead and you lose five to three. That's a tough one to swallow. The Braves have last now lost seven of their last 10 games, probably in one of their worst stretches of the season, if not their worst stretch of the season so far coming out of the all-star break. They've scored three or fewer runs five times in the last nine games. Certainly not something we're accustomed to seeing from this Braves team. Talk about a little bit more here in a second. It's also just been kind of a boomer bust offense, basically relying on the home run ball to score. As I've said, they're really good at hitting home runs, but they're not getting as many of those here lately, and they're not getting them at the at the proper time, I guess you could say, um, or not as many of them, rather. Uh, The Red Sox are also playing about as well as the Braves were playing during their hot streak. I don't want to 
just make excuses here for the Braves, but the Red Sox are on absolute fire right now. They're trying to prove that their ownership needs to go for it at the trade deadline. They're playing their best baseball at the best possible time for them. So the Braves are running into some really hot teams. We talked about it with the Brewers, who they just faced and won a series against, and will play again this weekend. So the Braves, you know, they're, they've been playing some really hot teams. Red Sox, one of those, especially that offense. They're just playing great baseball at this moment, while the Braves, even coming into this series, quick two-game series, they were playing some of their worst baseball of the season. So not a great match there, but I know the Braves will get it going at some point. And that's something I want to I want to talk about up top here at the moment because there's going to be a lot of negative in this one. There was a lot of negative on the postcast I did last night with Grant McCauley. I am not worried about this team long-term. Micro, I do an everyday podcast. So I am evaluating things happening in the micro, what is happening right now, how they played in yesterday's game. So you're going to hear me be negative at times. I see some people in the comment section on YouTube to tell me to stop bellyaching or whatever. I am doing an everyday podcast. I am reacting to what I'm seeing right now. You should know if you listen to this podcast you know, more than once a week or you're an everyday or you know I think this team's capable of winning a World Series. The talent is all here to win a World Series. We've seen what this team looks like when they're playing their best. But again... My job here as an everyday podcaster is to talk about what's happening in the micro. And right now, this Braves team is not playing up to their level of capability. They're not playing their best baseball right now. And it's pretty evident to see. It's been some pretty ugly baseball. I've tried to make some excuses for that. Maybe there's a lack of focus because they do have such a big lead in the division. They're not really being pushed at the moment. You know, you had the all-star break. All those guys went to the all-star game. You have such a big big lead. You're riding so high. Maybe there's some just fatigue there. You know, these guys have played a lot of games as well, and you didn't really get a break in the all-star game, all-star break because they had so many in the game. You know, maybe Snicker does need to give some of these guys a day off here or there. Whatever the case may be, whatever excuse you want to make, bottom line is they are not playing good baseball right now. That doesn't mean they can't go on a tear and win the World Series. They are more than capable of doing that with the roster that they have. And you know, if everybody gets healthy, and that's what we're hoping, you know, there's even more of a better possibility of that happening. Once you get a freed back and AJ Minter and maybe another enforcement for the bullpen at the trade deadline, I feel very confidently this team has all the makings of winning a World Series. So while I'm being negative in the short term. Again, it's just because I'm talking about this team every day. I'm talking about what's happening right now. And Wednesday was another bad performance from this Braves team. It wasn't a bad performance from Spencer Strider. It's, but it's another start that feels incomplete to me. And it's because my expectations of him are so high. I, I want to see him regularly getting through six or seven innings, giving up one run or less, something he did nine times last year from June 26 till the end of the season. So again, he didn't start the year in the rotation. He had nine outings last year where he went either six or seven innings and gave up one or zero runs. He did that nine times from June 22nd through the June 26th through the end of the season. He's done that seven times already this year, which is great, you know, starting from the beginning of the season, 
I need to see him get on a stretch where he has some of those starts. And maybe that's a lot to ask, but that's how highly I think of Spencer Strider, who I picked to win the NL Cy Young at the beginning of the year. And if he can get that ERA down some, I think he runs away with it this year because all the other metrics are there. And even in this game, he struck out 10 more batters and he went six plus innings and only allowed two earned runs. This was not a bad start for Spencer Strider by any means, but there are some serious issues here with Spencer Strider this year. And we've talked about it where it's just, he, he has that big inning or things start to unravel on him. And really it, a lot of it comes down to the home runs. He's given up 18 home runs this year and 123 innings pitched last year. He gave up just seven home runs and 131 and two thirds innings pitched. So, I can't pinpoint exactly what the difference is and why he's giving up so many more homers this year. I know part of it, at least when he was going through that tough stretch, is just because he was leaving the ball out over the plate too much. Look at the home runs he gave up on Wednesday night. One of them's a slider down below the zone to Rafael Devers that 99% of the league probably swings and misses on, but Rafael Devers is just a really good hitter, and you got that – uh, you know, that pole down in, in right field, Pesky's pole down there that he just wraps it around for the home run. The other one's a slider. It did stay up to Tristan Casas, who's a very strong hitter, and drove it out to center field. That one's more understandable, but the one to Devers, again, 99% of Major League Baseball hitters swing and miss at that pitch. It was a perfectly placed slider down and in, and Rafael Devers is just a freak of nature. But still, 18 home runs already this year. That is a lot for Spencer Strider and something he has to figure out again. I can't pinpoint the reason for exactly why that's happening, but it's something I think I know he will and something he's looking into, but he has given up way too many home runs this year, still racking up the strikeouts, just one away from 200. He'll end up breaking his own record. Be once again, becoming the fastest player to 200 strikeouts in a season. If he gets enough starts, he's probably going to break the record for becoming the fastest player to 300 strikeouts in a season so again he's been great he was not the problem on Wednesday night one thing that is a problem for him at least this year is the seventh inning and four innings pitched this year in the seventh inning seven hits six earned runs three home runs three walks and six strikeouts again a very small sample size but we've seen it now in back-to-back -back starts where he gets to the seventh inning and for whatever reason just kind of runs into a wall there and I know there were questions why pull him out i think he was at 91 92 pitches on wednesday night why pull him out there i think it's because of what we saw in the last start from spencer strider where things just fell apart for him in that seventh inning now you were kind of down to the bottom of the order i think you definitely could make the case that you probably should have stuck with him and maybe in hindsight you would have although we'll get into the pierce johnson outing here in a second really not his fault in that inning but either way you know, for whatever reason, the seventh inning has been somewhat of a troublesome area for him this year. You go back to last season in the seventh inning, nine innings, seven hits, three walks, just four and runs, no home runs, and 15 strikeouts. So it wasn't a problem for him last year. Again, very small sample size this year, but it has been somewhat of an issue for him, something he has to figure out to be able to get through that seventh inning. Because like I said, the Braves need him, especially with the injuries to the bullpen right now and just not really being able to trust some of those guys. You need your, your, your starter, your ace, 
to consistently get through that sixth, seventh inning and to be able to rely on him and trust him to get through that. So again, not a bad start from Spencer Strider by any means. He struck out 10 batters for a team that, as we've seen in this quick series and the four times the Braves have played them this year, they don't chase a lot of pitches. So good performance from Spencer Strider. I don't want to, to you know pass by that without you understanding. This is a good start from Spencer Strider. This is not his fault, but my expectations of him are just so high that it still feels like a start that was incomplete. He didn't quite finish it off with a bang that I would have liked from him getting through that seventh inning. I talked a little bit about the boomer bust offense. Another game not able to score without a home run. That's three of the last four games now where the only runs they've scored have come via the home run ball. And again, they're really good at hitting home runs. They are capable of winning games just by hitting home runs. They lead all of baseball by a country mile and home runs hit because they're really good at doing it. But it does become a little bit frustrating at time when you're not getting two or three of them a game like we see a lot of times from this Braves team. And you're just getting that one home run. It's a big one. It was a three-run homer, and that's great. But when you're not able to add on to that, you're only scoring in one inning of a ball game that becomes a little bit more frustrating and something that should not be happening with this offense. And the number of times they're getting on base, it's not like getting on base is an issue. They're just not able to manufacture those runs to get that one run inning. Again, I've talked about this a lot. You get those two, three run homers. They're great. But, you know, also you need those innings where you just tack on a run here or there to either extend the lead or get back into the game. And that's just not happening right now. Ultimately, again, I'm not worried about this offense. It's the best in all of baseball, it's the most dangerous offense, top to bottom, but they are in a little bit of a rut at the moment. I think a lot of that comes from the middle of the order right now. Sean Murphy's really struggling, Marcelo Zuna, Eddie Rosario. So you're talking about that, you know, fourth, fifth, sixth spot in the lineup right now that is they've all gone cold, like dead cold at the same time. That's certainly not helping right now with those guys at the top getting on, but not being able to bring them in. Want to talk a minute about Pierce Johnson, his first look in a Braves uniform. I, I thought that was a, a tough spot to bring him into for his first appearance with a team. That being said, he still made the pitches to get out of it and he should have gotten out of it. I, I thought he looked fine. If Ozzy makes that play again, he gets out of it unscathed. Braves still on top, on top by a run. Who knows how things go after that. The Turner double that gave the Red Sox a lead it's a slider. Yes, it was up. That pitch needs to be down, but it's up off the plate away. Turner was all out front on that pitch. He was, you know, it was not the best swing. He was completely fooled by it. He did get enough barrel on it where, and he's strong enough and a good enough hitter that he was able to, to drive it out to left field. That's a fly out in probably 26, 27 other ballparks. So a little bit unfortunate there, but again, it's, it wasn't a terrible pitch. Uh, my maybe biggest thing is bringing a, a guy in for a new team. You've been struggling. You bring him in in that situation. I'd rather see him, seen Jimenez, who did pitch the night before. So maybe he was unavailable. He had two off days this week. I can't imagine that's the case. Or I would have rather seen Ben Heller than give Pierce Johnson a clean inning in the eighth inning instead of Kirby Yates, who gave up another home run. It's just frustrating right now with this bullpen. I know you look at the stats. Everything says they've been really good, but one of the best in all of baseball. But uh, I just think – even the most optimistic fan has to say right now, I don't know that I trust any reliever to come out of that bullpen and put up a zero. Uh, that's just the feeling that you get right now. And again, hopefully reinforcements are coming and AJ Minter, maybe another arm from the trade deadline, Dylan Lee, 
hopefully Jesse Chavez at some point. So there are some reinforcements coming, but right now it's just, again, when that bullpen doors opens, I just don't have a lot of confidence that a zero is going to be placed up on the scoreboard. Again, making excuses for this team. Maybe they're playing a little tight right now. Sometimes you see that coming up to the trade deadline, guys trying to either prove that they don't need to be replaced or, uh, you know, they're just nervous about the fact that are they going to get moved at the deadline? I'm sure they all want to stay here and be a part of this team. So maybe there's some of that going on. Well, like I said earlier, the Red Sox are playing to try to prove that they should be buyers at the deadline. They have a lot of motivation right now. Really hope we see them settle down after the trade deadline. Again, I would much rather see them playing this type of bad baseball right now rather than, you know, September and into October. That's really when you want to see this team clicking on all cylinders, and I think they will. But again, one more time, I'm analyzing this team in the micro doing an everyday podcast. So if I seem a little bit negative, it's just because of the way they're playing now. I still have full confidence in this team going forward that they can reach all their goals that they can and hopefully will accomplish this year. All right, next we'll do our Through the League segment. We'll talk about some of the defensive leaders in all of baseball and where the Braves players rank. Defense something they've been struggling a lot here with lately. We'll discuss that next. Finally taking that summer vacation you've been planning but dreading buying all the necessities before you take off, it's time to stop spending your hard-earned money without getting anything in return. That's where Ibotta comes in. Ibotta gives you cash back on hundreds of grocery items from produce, personal care to pantry goods. Either link your loyalty account or upload your receipt after you shop and get your cash back. It's that easy. The average Ibotta user earns $120 a year. That's enough money to upgrade those tickets down into the 100 section at Truist Park that you've been dreaming about. You can earn cash back on hundreds of online brands and retailers too when you start with Ibotta, including Lowe's, Macy's, Sephora, Best Buy, and more. Right now, Ibotta is offering our listeners $5 just for trying Ibotta by using the code MLB when you register. That's free, $5 by using the code MLB. Just go to the App Store or Google Play Store and download the free Ibotta app. Use code MLB. That's I-B-O-T-T-A in the Google Play or App Store. And make sure you use the code MLB for free $5. Braves will be back home on Friday night at 7.20 p.m. Eastern to play the Milwaukee Brewers again. Catch every pitch of the Braves' hometown broadcast with SiriusXM on the SXM app. Search Braves. And we'll also have our mailbag episode on Friday, so look for my tweet from the main Twitter account, LockedOn underscore Braves. I'll send that later in the day on Thursday. Reply to that tweet with your question to be answered on our Friday mailbag episode. All right, it's our Through the League Thursday segment. We'll go through each division in the NL East. The Braves are 64-36. and 36. They're 3-7 and seven in their last 10 games, and they still have a 10-game lead in the division where the Philadelphia Phillies are 55-47. and 47. They've won a couple in a row. The Marlins are 55-48. and 48. They finally snapped their long losing streak. They're 2-8 and eight in their last 10 games. The Mets are 47-54, and 17-and-a-half games back. They could be sellers. I think they should be sellers at the deadline. That's going to be an interesting storyline. The Nats are 43-39. and 39. They are the only NLE's team with a winning record over their last 10 games at 6-4. and four. So that's be baseball sometimes. AL East, the Orioles are up a game and a half over the Rays. The AL Central, the Twins are up two games on the Guardians. The AL West, the Rangers are up two games on the Astros. They just avoided getting swept by the Astros. That was a very entertaining series there. 
Another one in the NL Central as well. The Brewers continue to dominate the Reds as they win a series over them, and they're now a game and a half up on the Reds in the NL Central. And the Dodgers up three and a half games on the Giants and four on the Diamondbacks. The Diamondbacks are three and seven in their last ten games. So Dodgers really starting to kind of pull away a little bit in that NL West race. League leaders this week, I wanted to look at fielding run values. This is a new metric on baseball savant. It basically takes OAA, outs above average, which more so um, talks about the range or quantifies the range of a defensive player. And then fielding run values includes throwing in there as well. It looks like it only really includes outfield throwing arms but i'm not real sure on that i got to look into it a little bit more and these are for players who have played at least 500 innings at each position so i'm going to go through each position give you the league leaders and where the Braves stand in each of these at catcher austin hedges has a, a fielding run value of 11 sean murphy is second with 10 patrick bailey also at 10 jonah heim at nine william Contreras at six along with three others so I said last year, just to me, with the naked eye, I thought William Contreras continually got better defensively behind the plate. Sean Murphy is still even better and love that trade, obviously. But I, I even said then it looked like William Contreras was getting better every time out. And that Brewers organization, they do a great job developing catchers over there defensively as well. So good to see that for William Contreras. At first base, you got Christian Walker at first with five, Anthony Rizzo at four, Josh Naylor also at four. Matt Olson is 19th at negative five. He is one of the worst defensive first basemen according to fielding run value in all of baseball. <laughs> Interesting note here, Cody Bellinger, who we've talked about as a potential target for the Braves, he has a fielding run value of five at first base. A lot fewer innings, but Cody Bellinger, a good defender pretty much wherever you put him. At second base, Marcus Simeon, an old disciple of Ron Washington, he leads all second baseman with a fielding run value of six. Hassan Kim also at six. Nico Horner at five. Ozzie Albies is 10th at minus one. The shortstop position, Wander Franco is first with 10th. Old friend Dansby Swanson is second with eight. With, look, I watched Dansby Swanson. I know how great he is defensively. It just it surprises me the metrics are so big on him because his arm is not very strong at all, but he makes the plays. Uh, he's a very good defender. We all know that. Bobby Wood Jr. is third with seven, and Orlando Arcia is eighth, but he's at plus four. Shortstop position, obviously one of the, the best. You know, it's where you're putting your best defenders. So uh, going to be a tough, uh, tough division right there for Orlando Arcia, but he's been very good. We all know that. At third base, Key Ryan Hayes, Machado, and McRyan. Uh, Ryan McMahon from uh, the Rockies are all at seven. Riley is 12th at zero. In left field, Dalton, Dalton Varsho at six. Uh, Austin Hayes at two. Uh, Stephen Kwan at two. And Eddie Rosario is 10th at minus two. In center field, uh, you got Weimer from the Brewers at 10. Kiermaier at nine. Brenton Doyle at eight. Luis Robert Jr. at eight. And then Michael Harris at seven. So he's there in that top five. And then right field, Fernando Tatis, Tatis Jr. has is a fielding run value of nine, which is tops for all right fielders. Adolis Garcia, who's really good, he's got seven. And then it's Max Kepler. It's a big drop-off after those two in right field. Max Kepler at three. Acuna ranks ninth at zero. So as you kind of see from these metrics, and again, no defensive metric is perfect. I don't put a ton of stock in defensive metrics. Defensive defensive skill is still one of the things where I really trust my eyes. 
more than I do the metrics, but they do give us somewhat of an idea and they are still useful to a degree. But you can see from these defensive leaderboards in this fielding run value, Braves are strong up the middle, which is what you want. Strong at catcher, they're strong at shortstop, they're strong in center field. But right now it feels like every ball is going to first base, second base, left field. Uh, those are where the glaring weaknesses are for the Braves right now. And it's so crazy with Ozzie Albies because I thought he had gold glove potential just two years ago. I don't know if it's a shoulder injury or what. It seems like he's just not getting a great read off the ball. I don't know if the shift going away has really impacted him and maybe it's just you know opened up his range issues that he has. But I mean, just in that Boston series alone, there's a couple of plays where I thought he he could have made, probably should have made, to help save runs that he's not making. And it just, in this rough streak the Braves are in, again, it seems like every ball is going to those three positions, first, second, and left field. And that's where the Braves were getting hurt. Austin Riley's fine at third base. He's not a gold glover, probably never will be, but he's not going to hurt you over there. He makes some good plays. Same thing for Ronald. He just doesn't get the greatest jumps in the world, but still his speed typically makes up for that. And we know he has one of the strongest arms in all of baseball. It's really just those three positions, first, second, and left field, where the Braves are really getting hurt defensively. And again, just in this bad stretch they're in, it seems like every ball is finding those three positions and just not making plays, whether it's Eddie Rosario, Ozzy Albies mostly, but even Matt Olson. There's some balls that I just feel like He's not quick enough on his feet to get to some of these. So that is my biggest concern. I said that on yesterday's podcast that defense right now, hitting with runners in scoring position, those are my biggest concerns going into the postseason right now. But it's really just those three areas where the Braves are lacking right now. If they can you know, improve those, and you know, for Ozzy and Olsen, it's all just about them personally getting better, but maybe per, you know, getting a replacement in left field, somebody who can be just as good offensively, but better defensively, maybe like a Cody Bellinger. I know I pushed against that trade idea a little bit, but the more I keep seeing balls fall in front of Eddie Rosario, the more I'm getting on board with a Cody Bellinger trade, even if there is going to be a good bit of regression for him offensively. So that's our through the league segment. Wanted to talk about defense there since it's something that's been a real problem for the Braves, especially coming out of the break. Next, we'll look at some trade deadline news, some Braves-specific news, and then some of my final thoughts on what I think the Braves should do over the weekend, including shaking up the lineup. We'll discuss that next. Want to get into some trade deadline news. The Angels have taken Shohei Otani off the block right now, and in fact, they made one of the bigger deals of the trade deadline so far, they acquired Lucas Giolito from the White Sox on, along with Ronaldo Lopez. So they get a starter and a reliever. So the Angels are going for it right now. And that trade for Giolito and Lopez kind of sets the market for rental players. They gave up a pretty solid catching prospect, but really a, a solid pitching prospect in Kai Bush. So Kai Bush has had injuries and struggles, but the talent is there. So that kind of sets the market for rental players because both Giolito and Lopez are rentals. So that gives you a good kind of price point to look at now when you're trying to match up with other teams who have rental players that they are trading off. So big news out of the Angels on Thursday or on Wednesday. Still can't get my days right here. Of Otani coming off the block. He's no longer available. Angels are going for it. They trade for one of the biggest rentals 
on the market in Giolito. They get a reliever as well. Great for the Angels. going to be great for baseball if it works out and you get Otani. And then when Trout gets back, you get those two guys in the postseason. That's going to be fantastic for baseball if it happens. So just as a baseball fan in general, I really hope it does. Dodgers have been very active as well. They trade for shortstop Omed Rosario as they continue to try to figure out that position. They also got back old friend Kiki Hernandez, who has been great in the postseason, whether it's for the Red Sox or the Dodgers. So that's a bit scary that they got him back. Those are two separate trades, obviously. Guardians got back Noah Syndergaard in that deal as well. He's a rental player. Guardians, you know, they're 500, but still within striking distance in that AL Central. So I'm sure Noah Syndergaard's about to turn into one of the best pitchers in all of baseball. You might want to pick him up in your fantasy leagues. Uh, but those were those two deals there for the Dodgers. Dodgers also showing interest in Joe Kelly. I would be shocked if Joe Kelly isn't dealt, especially we just saw the White Sox trade Giolito and Lopez. I think Kelly is 100% going to get traded at this deadline. So I know the Dodgers are interested. I'm sure a lot of teams are interested right now. Twins and Marlins in a bit of a weird move. They swapped relievers Jorge Lopez and Dylan Floro, just kind of a change of scenery there. Lopez has another year of control, so the Marlins are hoping he can kind of put things back together. As far as Braves news, Freed unfortunately had to push back his last, what was supposed to be his last rehab start on Wednesday due to illness. Still waiting to see if he's going to start on Thursday. If he does that, he could probably still come back for that Angels series. If not, we'll have to see what kind of timetable they're going to put on him and when he could return. Hopefully it's still sometime next week. Hopefully he's okay and gets over that illness. But uh, does push his rehab back a little bit. Derek Rodriguez and Lucas Litke were both outrighted to AAA. They can either accept that assignment or elect pre-agency. Litke most likely is going to accept that assignment. We'll see what happens with Rodriguez. A lot of fans might not like to hear this, but the owners voted to keep Rob Manfred as the commissioner through the 2028 season. Why wouldn't they? He is just their puppet, and he's been doing a good job for the owners. Final thoughts real quick. Might be time to switch up the lineup. Again, I don't I don't think the offense has necessarily been the problem, but again, that middle right now is just Sean Murphy, Marcelo Zuna, Eddie Rosario really struggling. I think it's just I think it's good to shuffle the lineup up every now and then. I don't know the ideal, you know, lineup. Uh, we've talked about this a lot. It really comes down to that two hole. I don't know who to put there. And, you know, Ozzy's had two of the bigger hits in the last couple of weeks for the Braves, a couple of big two, a couple of big three run homers. But I don't know. I don't know what the right answer is for the lineup. If you think you do, let me know down in the comment section below. But I think it's just time to switch things up. I think it's good to do that every now and then. Anyway, I've already said I want to see Kevin Pillar get more starts in left field. I, I'm fine with just having the defense out there and batting him eighth in the lineup or wherever you want to put him. But I think it's time to switch things up. A little bit here, see if you can get the Braves going. Two days, two two games during the week, and they're both as rough as those two games were in Boston. Uh, that's hard to take as a fan. So looking forward to them getting back home this weekend, hopefully getting going. I just think two off days during the week. I don't know how players feel about it, but as a fan, I absolutely hate it. And then when you lose those two games and you lose them the way the Braves did, uh, just puts a real bad sour taste in your mouth. So looking forward to getting that out of my mouth on Friday night when the Braves will be back home at 7.20 p.m. Eastern to take on the Milwaukee Brewers. Catch every pitch of the Braves' hometown broadcast with SiriusXM on the SXM app. Search Braves. It'll be 
Adrian Hauser in that game against Gianni Chirinos. We'll talk more about that on Friday's pod, mailbag podcast, but that should be an interesting matchup there. Thanks so much for making Lockdown Braves your first listen of each and every day. If you're an everydayer, let me know down in the comment section below. Make sure you follow the podcast on Twitter at Lockdown underscore Braves. You can follow me at Shortstop Ball. Also, make sure that you rate, review, and subscribe to the Lockdown Braves podcast wherever you get your podcast, and we will talk to you next time. Hey, this is Stacey Gotsoulias, DC Lundberg, Ryan Finkelstein, Taylor Blake Ward, host of Locked On Yankees, Locked On Mariners, Locked On Mets, Locked On Angels, and you're listening to Locked On Braves. Locked On Braves. Locked On Braves. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. 